Hello, and welcome back to what I believe, if I'm counting correctly, is the sixth episode in this Miramichi Historical Linkages podcast. And so we're very grateful that you're joining us uh, today, wherever you may be. Uh, and as always, uh, I am Sean McCarthy, and I'm joined today by Tasha Smith and Sarah Ward. And so uh, last week, we talked a little bit about uh, our time with Steve Heckbert and the uh, and the beads, the porcelain beads that he showed us uh, and uh, all the stories that surrounded them. Um, so today we're kind of in a, in a not dissimilar vein. Uh, we're starting to talk a little bit more about oral history and oral traditions. Um, and we'll be doing this for the next couple of episodes. Uh, so you have that to look forward to. Uh, so, uh, when we, I guess maybe to kind of start off with, um, we, I think very often we, in, in a time where so much is recorded, you know, in this day and age where, you know, uh, whether it's written or it's recorded or, you know, again, and presented as you're watching this right now, uh, we often wonder where, um, oral history kind of fits uh, in this in this digital world, um, and how how it's kind of grown and changed, and you know, and uh, and uh, adapted. So um, I think with uh, some unique views on that, based on the conversation that we had before we started recording, uh, I'm, I'm going to kind of throw things over uh, to Tasha because I know Tasha, you've uh, you've kind of found a, 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 an interesting kind of meld. Uh, between kind of traditional uh, history and and uh, the oral tradition and uh, our 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 world, our digital world today. Yes, I did find some pretty interesting things that intertwine oral traditions with technology. Um, as you were saying, that oral traditions are very important to many cultures. Uh, and Sarah, please let correct me if I'm not saying this correctly, or if you have anything to add in, please feel free. Um, so for my research and understanding, oral traditions can be kind of broken down into three subcategories. You have your myths, which for the most part relate to creation stories, or some myths account for the organization of our world and society as it is today. Then we have legends, which relate mostly to particular places. They're most important for linking the people with the land, legends are. And then we have folklore, which folklore are usually used for more moral or social lessons for younger people or just for amusement on those long winter nights or could be any night, really. Um, and throughout my research, um, I came across a couple of websites. One of them, um, who is a well-known artist, Brandon Mitchell, the website is uh, birchbarkcomics.com and he started this in about 2003 and he actually received his a diploma for animation and design in Miramichi back in I believe it was 2000 and, oh 2000 and he's wrote many comics that pertain to indigenous culture uh, great for youth in public schools or just any age doesn't have to be only youth one of the books that stood out to me the um a few years back when I was taking the education program at St. Thomas University is called This uh, Place 150 Years Retold. Uh, it's a great website for 
any person to visit. Another resource I came across, uh, it's called, and please correct me, Sarah, if you've heard this word before, uh, Negweg Collective. And in Mi'kmaq, I've read that Negweg means growth. And this website, so it's negwegcollective.com. And they, the collaborators on this website, created an app back in 2018, I believe it was. And it's called NIDAP, which in Mi'kmaq, NIDAP is my friend. And there was two different apps. I went to go download these apps. They seem absolutely wonderful. And I've been playing them just a wee bit. But there was two when I downloaded them both. There was one in for 2021 and 2022. And most of them seem the same so far. And these apps are like an interactive game for people to use and listen to the Mi'kmaq language. And it's how they pass oral traditions down. And there's an interactive map on there for Mi'kmaq and Wallistigwek territories. And if you click on the little stars or the animals on certain geographical locations on this app, it will open it up and start telling you oral traditions that pertain to that particular place. Because as we know, our most or oral traditions, uh, when you're storytelling, the details may vary and change depending on the community and the person explaining it. But the underlining truth, the message always stays the same. It's always passed correctly, whether your details vary a bit or not. Um, and I noticed that uh, for a lot of indigenous communities, especially Mi'kmaq, Gloose Gap is a person, uh, a reference in pretty much almost every folklore that I've come across, if it's not about Gloose Gap, it's about his extended family or the animals and the lessons that Gloose Gap wants to teach to our people. The app is called NIDAP Legends of the First Nations. That's the full name. So if you go to your Play Store, your App Store on your phone or iPad. And that one, I, um, from what I've found out, it's located in Red Bank. And I was kind of surprised because I've been going up there for a few years and I haven't heard about it. So I definitely am going to dive more into there. I even called my mom this morning and I was like, keep your ears open, <laughs> please. I'd like to learn more about this and kind of, you know, make more people aware of it. I think it's a wonderful app and for it to be out since 2018, it's like 2020 now. So a few, four years already, my first time coming across it in the past week. <laughs> uh, that's what I love about, you know, digging into everything. <laughs> be perfect opportunity for me to pass it on to maybe like an Acadian or Gaelic apps. It'd be cool to find some of those out too. Yeah. And I mean, if our listeners, uh, you know, our viewers may have some ideas about, you know, um, some of these things, uh, please do feel free to let us know to reach out uh, in the comments below or uh, to, to shoot us an email. That's linkproject at bowbearsisland.ca. Um, and yeah, and like I say, maybe let us know about other, uh, other things, uh, you know, websites, apps, things of this nature that might help us, you know, kind of reconnect uh, with, uh, with that oral tradition um, in, in kind of, uh, I guess, uh, I don't want to say more modern, but maybe more digital ways. Um, you know, yeah. So, we say I'm really happy to see that all these um, creative minds getting together to create new opportunities and innovating to keep up with our modern times, as you were saying, Sean, because it is really hard to uh, 
to take a culture that's so used to producing information or passing knowledge on for generations only orally to transferring over to written. When I was kind of researching, I came across, and it reminded me um, of what my professor used to say when I did my BA degree. And he said that Mi'kmaq symbols are best represented by referring to them as, I might pronounce this wrong, ideograms, ideograms, instead of hieroglyphs, where hieroglyphs refer to Egyptian writing, that the glyphs pertain to a word, um, a word, I wrote that down, a word, a syllable, or a sound. And when you do that, it, if you refer to it as the hieroglyph, it misrepresents what Mi'kmaq people are really trying to say. So by referring to it as an ideogram, it's a more appropriate term because each character, it says, represents a concept which may be orally expressed with one or many words, which makes sense because Mi'kmaq have many ways of saying something depending on how you're trying to say that, if that, if that makes sense. Does that sound accurate, Sarah, from what you've learned over the years? Yes, I think it's a most in the First Nation the language and culture. Uh, when we speak, mm-hmm. our words are animated. So right. like storytelling, um, when we talk about certain, uh, give out information, um, we, we can visualize your words in action, doing things. So when you said that about the Red Bank having that made up, I think you say, I'm not making my, so I'm, I'm just a sign. <laughs> uh, I, I try to pronounce the words right to anyway, the the website. I'm thinking like that's nice because it actually is bringing life not only to the legends and the story, but it also gives life to the language and the environment, like you know the people that live there, the history. So it's bringing it all out, and and I think that's very very interesting. It's the first time I heard about it too, and where I work with the young people in. Uh, school districts, I said, that would be a good resource to look at. And you, you actually did me a favor, but uh, show me something that I could use. And I was Go just, ahead. we were at um, um, Dr. Logier Junior High this week, my husband and I, and we listened to the young people write their stories of Halloween, right? The story, um, their scary moment stories. And the young people are very uh, creative. So there's certain stories that were, were set there, and there's one young guy that I watch. He's very uh, uh, detailed in his stories, and he gives all these emphasis in the presenting his stories. So after we talked about um, stories, when they went over the stories, and I caught myself talking about our group here, <laughs> remember she heard to sleep, and I said, you know, I said, you know, there's stories. You know, we look for stories there. I said it would be nice because you are young people. I said, you were born fresh here on the Bermashi. I said, it would be nice to talk to your parents, your grandparents, to, to document some of those stories that you can save for your generation, for your family, for your community. I said, finding histories and history books is good, but we also need to look at and give credit to the historians in our community. And so, I said, and that's what our goal is we're trying to do in this uh, project is give life and give stories and give uh, a foundation to the community. You know, so when you, when you said that, um, I, Natasha, I said, I think it really did a good job. You know, this, this is very interesting information for me. 
Good. I'm so happy to help. That makes my, my heart so happy to know that it can help other youth in the schools that you work at. I'm so glad I came across it. Just, you know. So which organization, Red Bank, is, is it from? Do you know? Well, that's the thing. That's why I called my mom up this morning. And I was like, what's going on? But the address, um, it said 2114 Micmac Road, Red Bank First Nation. So my mom's like, your aunt's 2100 or something. I was like, well, so we were trying to calculate in our head all the people we know go along that road and where it would sit. Uh, my mom made a comment that it, that it may relate to Jordan's principal um, address in that area, but I'm not quite sure. Uh, but I, I'm, if you find anything, Sarah, send me a message and I'll do the same for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe we'll have them come on as a guest. Oh, that's a brilliant idea. They would do a way better job, give it justice to a description of that app, that's for yeah. sure. They'll be promoting their uh, cause, you know, their, their whatever their information is. And it also gives uh, strength to our stories and our research. Absolutely. Oh, that gets me going. I want to know about like Acadian and Gaelic ones too. I'm like, please make some apps so we can all these apps. Or I was downloading a whole bunch of different language ones the other day. I was like, I better slow down. When am I going to have the time to <laughs> go on all these apps? But I will make the time. <laughs> yeah, and I want to say when, when I look for search for things, it's mainly uh, in the Southwest or in the West Coast of Canada. It's where you hear a lot of uh, digital information or modern information that's been digitized but right. i find not much here and it's good to hear that it's starting and especially if it's starting and along the river that's great right you know? a connection to home for a lot of people yeah and and that's what i was telling the young people at the indigenous uh, students at the high school here in Mamashi. i said you are the groundbreakers i said there are things that have never been done you can do you can uh give voice to certain things. I said, you can do some uh, some crafts or you can do some like digitize. And I was telling them about a young lady there back in New Mexico, in Arizona. Um, she was uh, introduced to doing the, the, be the commentator for the Phoenix Sun, but she did it in Navajo. And I said, wouldn't it be nice the Mi'kmaq students or somebody in Mi'kmaq do that same thing. I said, you are the groundbreakers. You guys have a plain, uh, a plain canvas that you can paint on and do something with your life. And I think, you know, rooting everything, you know, here, I think that's so, you know, as you say, you know, that's so important. And I think that's that's something that we don't often understand, Ross, and I didn't understand, you know what I mean, um, that oral history really does, is that, you know, we have these kind of these grand narratives, you know, in, in, in history, but so very often, you know, um, so in addition to kind of uh, preserving tradition and, and knowledge, but it also, it also grounds so much, you know, in our community. These are things that happen here to people that we know, to people that, you know, that... Uh, who know people we know, you know, and it, it really kind of brings, it really brings that into, and it allows, it allows people, it allows us to feel connected. And I think, you know, these kind of, you know, these kind of advances is allow, you know, younger people to kind of get access to it because I know so many people that I talk to and I myself, you know what I mean? Come to the understanding of, you know, wanting to hear these stories and wanting to understand and these things when 
the people who tell who can tell them to us are going or are gone. You know, um, I know myself, like I say, you know what I mean? I wish I had, I had spent more time with my grandparents, you know, who I think I've mentioned that before, before on the, on, on the, uh, uh, on, on the podcast, you know, and, you know, but again, like I say, you know, when I, when I was young, I did, I didn't, I didn't take that time, which, which, I, which I should have done. I regret it today. And I think there's a lot of other people out there that are, that are much the same. And when you were talking about, you know, uh, kind of Gaelic traditions and things of this nature, it made me think of, I was talking to one gentleman and he was talking about Halloween, which again, for you listeners is coming right up for us. But by the time you're listening to this, we'll have already passed. But, um, but you used to talk about, you know, that like, very, very many years ago, you know, in the old traditions, uh, the traditions kind of around, you know, Halloween and being and it being linked to kind of all souls and all of that. And, you know, the idea of people would go and they would dress up as people, you know, as ancestors. And, you know, and the trick or treat idea was, according to this gentleman, you went to the house and if they knew who you were, you know what I mean? They would be rewarded. But if you didn't, if you didn't recognize, you know, the people, well, you didn't recognize your ancestors or ancestors in the community, you know what I mean? There was a trick that was going to come upon the house. You know what I mean? The light of knowledge had gone. You know, you you had forgotten, you know, your history in that way. So I, th- I find that really interesting. You know what I mean? That, you know, this is, yeah. So again, kind of now it's, it's, it's also kind of timely uh, for us, not for you, dear listener, but, uh, but, uh, but yeah. Uh, that's it. That, that, that again, that you know, that the, that it's these things you know that help us to kind of remember our past and and mean and, and connect with it. Yeah, and another thing too, I think going back to what Ashley said about the the legends, the stories, the myth of that from indigenous perspective. Um, you know, we hear so much in the media, and we hear so much um, information about. Indigenous people wear about residential school, Indian day school, the 60s school. We hear a lot of that information we've given, but um, but we're more than that. You know, we have a rich culture. We have, we have, we live lives every day and we have families. So stories like these, uh, go apps and tell the, the myths and the legend and story, you know, it brings us to another level than uh, having to relive these traumas. You know, we have to appreciate culture and uh, and make changes like you know um, our young people don't have to know what happened in the history that they need to have the knowledge but they don't need to relive it they can mm-hmm. live the happy uh, the happy childhood that some of us didn't have right that's so true Sarah I agree with that there because of course we need to focus on the traumas in order to move past it as a whole but like you were saying, that is not just who we are. That is just a, a part in our story. But this other parts that we need to know about, like you were saying, is our traditions and the, the information we had before our traumas. We need to learn about our pre-contact and then why some of our relatives are the way they are today, if that makes sense, if that's proper wording. The reason why they make the choices they make today is because of mm-hmm. the traumas that they went through. Having some understanding and empathy. 
Yes, yes, understanding. Thank you, Sarah. That's exactly it. Having the understanding and then understanding where your roots are from, like Sean was saying, the connection you have with your ancestors and your people and in your land, the land that you travel amongst, that's where legends would come in, right? <laughs> yeah, and then there's the one Sean said that about their re recognizing your relatives with a Halloween story. Yeah. Um, in that, in that uh, stories that the kids were telling, I asked them, I said, where did Halloween come from? So do you have your own information where Halloween came from? And they're going on like the saint, somebody, I'm not Catholic, so I'm not familiar with the some saint, which I didn't, I can't remember the name of the saint, but, and then so would that be coming from there? I said, I don't know, so I can't tell you because I'm not Catholic, so I don't know, so I don't know the, the history of that. And then, mm -hmm. uh, so I told him, says, well, from my background, I said, I'm, I'm Navajo. I said, she's been there. And I said, my grandfather's part Navajo and he's Mexican. So some of those story, uh, um, Halloween stuff comes from the Day of the Dead. But as soon as I said that, there's this uh, young, young, young Filipino kid that was in the classroom. He goes, yeah, how come? I didn't know that because that's what we do in the Philippines too. <laughs> and he started telling the story like, you know, which was interesting. I'm thinking like we talk about, uh, we talk about, the, 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 the main foundation of cultures on the Mamashi that I guess um, established the Mamashi what it is today, but we're also having newcomers, right? Yes. That are moving here. So they have their story that are similar to some of the stories we have here. So anyway, but the young, young boy telling the story says, oh yeah, I remember that. Why did I forget? Like, he's like, kind of like, <laughs> so I didn't know that. <laughs> Well, it, was, it was fun anyway. had a good laugh. <laughs> oh. Speaking of traditions, my little one, uh, my youngest is going to be doing her school concert soon. And um, I don't know exactly what it's going to be about, but she has a line to say, and it's talking about uh, when they're doing their little play. She's like, well, why don't we take a moment to learn about each other's traditions and whatnot? So I thought that was a really, uh, I'm excited to see how this play turns out. I'll fill you guys in afterwards, but it just connects to like traditions right now. So I'm like, it's nice to see that public schools, even that young and elementary are promoting different cultural traditions and backgrounds. Like you were saying, Sarah, it's just, that makes me more happy to know that. And that's what my husband says that we, we never had this when I was going to school and it's good to see that things are changing. He says some of these uh, different, different subcultures were never seen. It was just like, you learned this, this is what it is. And that was, that was it. But he says, right. him growing up here, he says, uh, this, these are good changes. Very good changes. Like you said, the uh, inclusion of everything instead of the one track. What those call those little horse blinders on? Or kind of like open them up, take them right off. <laughs> well, um, looking at the clock here, I see we're, we're coming up on the last few minutes of uh, this episode. Uh, we'll be back again. Uh, Next week, as we hear the uh, the Murak phone ring in the other room uh, next to the office, uh, the uh, but uh, but yeah, so we'll be back again next week to talk a little bit more about this. And in two weeks' time, we'll have a special guest, so stay tuned for that. But any final thoughts, Tasha, Sarah, before we draw to a close on this one? We appreciate you listening and joining us each week, or if it's your first time, thank you so much. We hope you join again. Um, hope you like our craziness. 
we actually do our, our work at the top of our head of something we've, we've learned or something we discovered during that week. So be yeah. patient with us. We're learning. <laughs> <laughs> we learn with you. <laughs> this is very true. This is very true. That's it. Um, all right. So with that, we hope that you'll join us next week. Um, yeah, so maybe maybe like I say, I mean, if, if opportunity allows, as, as my uncle used to uh, used to tell to me uh, an old story from my family, he used to say, "I'll tell you a story about Johnny McGorry. You promise not to speak in the middle of it." So maybe next week I will do just that. I guarantee you that the story will end much more abruptly than you think, and probably will not be satisfactory in any way. Um, but uh, but yeah, you can stay tuned for that, and we will see you then. All the best. See you. See ya.